This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Classic reissues from Bay Area Thrash Legends Testament are available now at NuclearBlast.com. Get Demonic live in Enhoven. My personal favorite, The Gathering, featuring Dave Lombardo on drums, live at the Fillmore, and First Strike Still Deadly, a re-recording of their classic debut album, The Legacy. Get it on CD, digipack, cassette, and colored vinyl, featuring reimagined art by Marcelo Vasco. Testament have never put out a bad record. If you don't own these physical copies, do yourself a huge favor and get them today. All reissues are available now at NuclearBlast.com. Once again, NuclearBlast.com. Learn acting from someone who gets it. My name's Chris Barnes. I'm from the band Six Feet Under. Chris Barnes Acting Academy. Learn the Meisner technique used by greats like Robin Williams. Fussy, fussy, fussy. You do Martha Graham, Martha Graham, Martha Graham, or Twyla, Twyla. We also teach the method acting technique used by Oscar winners like Marlon Brando. I shut up! I shut And of course, crisis acting. Which is a form of acting where you are placed in a staged mass shooting so the liberal agenda can have a reason to take away your freedoms and your guns. This technique needs to be taught because, um... Wow, uh... And I can open up a business and convince people to eat dog shit sandwiches at this point, can't I? Chris Barnes Acting Academy. Enroll today. Twyla or Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, Michael Kidd, or Madonna, Madonna, Madonna. But you keep it all inside. It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Ah, I can't hear myself, but you can hear me. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Metal Sucks Podcast. It is I, your host, Petra Spice, always joined by Brandon Guchan. Hello. And Jocelyn Sharp. <laughs> <laughs> There's a pause because I'm messing with chords. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> So anyways, this week, guys, we get to interview uh, one of my favorite younger bands out there, Rivers of Nile. I uh, get to, uh, a really great chat with uh, Brody Utley. We're going to talk about their new record, Where Owls Know My Name, which is out March 16th on Metal Blade Records. Um, and uh, what's up, buddy? What counts as a young band to you? To me, like two or three albums. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I know that's like almost 10 years for some of these bands, but to me, it's like, it, I, I said it many times in the show, I feel like it takes four or five albums for them to get that uh, career momentum. Unique. Yeah. Not unique. Just the, the, like, like these guys can do it forever. Right, right, you right. You know, type of thing. I think it's a, a long learning curve. But anyways, dude, Rivers and Isle, these guys are uh, way above par and they're amazing. And uh, we'll play a song off that record in a little bit, guys. Most of the stories that we have um, on MetalSucks.net this week, guys, it, it um, deals with a serious topic. As you heard in our bit at the opening there, it's, it's, the gun control topic is rampant. Uh, a lot of stuff has been said um, from metal heads, metal uh, icons. So we're going to kind of just touch base on each of the stories that kind of went with this. Uh, we know a lot of people might not want to listen to this because we are a music site. We understand that. But um, if you don't, jump about 20 minutes in. That's when Brody starts. Anyway, so the first story we want to talk about, guys, is uh, Randy Bly from Lamb of God. He spoke out on the gun laws after the shooting that just recently happened in Florida. And uh, we'll break down kind of his take on everything. Some of the things that he did say uh, repeatedly is to, you know, uh, contact your legislation and demand that there be some reasonable common sense gun law changes. Um, The main thing that 
he posted there is that uh, there is no reason for someone to own an assault rifle. That that is known as you can just call it a kid killer, um, and that um, it is only built really to kill other human beings. So I feel that he, you know his take on this is more or less like something needs to be done, and then everything that he's saying is logical to um, a big demographic of of the country. What do you guys think? I definitely think. Uh, look, I mean, calling it a kid killer again, it all comes down to the person behind the trigger. But at the same time, there is a reason why these mass shootings, is, ones like this, of this level, of this mm-hmm. caliber, there's a reason why AR-15s are used every single time. And it's because they do it better than anyone. Mm-hmm. So, I just, I don't want to talk about gun control. Can we talk about rape instead? Can we go back to talking <laughs> about rape? I want to go back there. Yeah. I'm going to go back to the good old days. Yeah, we're really comfortable talking about <laughs> that. That's like my know? speed now. Like, this is just not. Really? Mm-hmm. Last time we talked about it, I had to apologize the next episode. <laughs> that's yeah. true. That's so. fair. That's fair. No, seriously. Like, this is what would happen after every time, after every episode when all these bands and all this stuff, it's all this trouble being. Celebrities, everybody. Like, everybody. Every time Jocelyn would just throw her heads on. I don't want to talk about rape anymore. <laughs> and now it's going to be that with gun control. Now, yeah, it's now it's like, it's, oh, it's man. Just at the point where I'm like, has nobody got a fucking brain cell in their head? Like, we all know what needs to be done. It's just the conversation doesn't go anywhere. Well, it's because... Well, let's look Let's look at every viewpoint. That's what I'm trying to do here. Like, Randy Bly's viewpoint here is, um, I think, what a lot of us... I mean, you can hear me rant with emotion and get upset after the shooting happened here five months ago in Vegas in that episode. You know, I was like, just make sure something happens. Something happens. Whether you you ban bump stocks, just don't ignore it. That's all I was begging for. At least Trump Trump said something about banning bump stocks. At least. He said something then, but nothing happened. I mean, there's these YouTube videos. I mean, these these high school kids are, are, I mean, the trauma of just knowing that that's a possibility. Like, it's way different being a teenager now. And there's these YouTube videos. These kids are 17, 16 years old, and they're trying to make a point. They're going into gun shops, and they're buying guns, yeah. and they're posting it on YouTube. Mm-hmm. This kid, he was 16, took him five minutes to get an assault rifle. Yeah. A total yeah. of five minutes. And meanwhile, every time it's like, oh, you got to do the you gotta do the background check. And, you know, and, like, and you hear people talk about, you know, especially the gun shows. The gun shows is where it's pretty easy for them to get a, right. a, a weapon. And, so, and there's some people out there that do follow the rules. I'm not saying that every gun shop doesn't follow the rules, but there are some that are just like, you know what, fuck these rules. This is America. Take it. Well, you you're know? supposed to card every time you use a credit card. I got my boyfriend's credit card. I'm burning through that shit. Nobody is IDing you me. never give a girl a credit card. I learned that from a Michael Bay movie, <laughs> The Island. A guy oh. with no teeth at 7-Eleven told me that. He goes, your boyfriend let you have your credit card? No I teeth. would never give it to my wife. There you go. Yeah, you don't well, do that. That's why you work at 7-Eleven. <laughs> Wow, <laughs> I'm sorry. Whoa. I'm sorry. We just, we just alienated our. I'm sorry. We just alienated our whole. I love all of the employee. 7-Eleven Democrats. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're not talking about rape, Jocelyn. Yeah. Okay. I'm so upset. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Rape is my speed. Let's talk about rape, baby. We're that's not me. doing that. We're not. That's, doing not, that. not, a, that's <laughs> not a metal song. Yeah. So, so, so Randy's point is, uh, I think a lot of people. Uh, this is probably the most popular opinion. It's common sense, dude. Uh, that's and, what I feel. And, uh, a lot of people feel that way, and I don't disagree. But in democracy you have to hear every viewpoint now what randy bly is saying to me or to you guys i think to a lot of people is that like no let's look at the facts of what's happening right now let's look at any step to save any of these lives and by taking an ar-15 out of the equation and giving them a semi-automatic handgun or anything that is legal that is going to take more time to do anything with yeah the, the body count might be six instead of 17 and I know that sounds horrendous, but that 
matters. Well, and on top it's of that, way too. less horrendous than this. Exactly. Just it happening and people going, well, you know, if we made gun laws, then criminals would still get it because they're criminals. Like, that's not doing anything. You're right. not doing anything. You're just talking about how, oh, well, like, it's just this, oh, well, at, no, not, oh, well, we're an advanced society. Mm-hmm. And we should be. And- well, and my point, too, is uh, the, the one thing that I always look to is I look to all the countries that did ban them. And then you go. Now I was talking with my friend. She's very right wing, and uh, I was talking with her about it. And she's like, uh, "Well, then stabbings go up." And I go, "Yeah, but it's not seventeen kids getting murdered in school." Okay, that's and that's completely different. That's the point. An AR fifteen can do the damage. Yeah, the less damage, like you, you can't control the violent acts, unfortunately. But the less damage is, it should be accounted for. Now. Yeah, if somebody comes Taking at out me with bump a, stocks from like what happened here in Vegas, you take out the bump stocks from that guy's guns. You could have saved 25 lives. Well, she's talking about if you're going to sit there and use knife attacks and you're talking about them going up, um, I can find a stick and protect myself against a knife attack. Yeah, I can run away. I could run away. You're not going to throw the knife at me. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so so that's where that's where I go. What? Like, so uh, there there is a level of paranoia that I do believe the NRA puts out. There is a there is a level of paranoia that. That some people do put out, but at the same time, uh, we can't go too far. We can't overcorrect the problem because I do believe if you do get rid of all guns, which by the way is not what Randy Blythe is saying. No, not at all. It's like I do believe if you get rid of all guns, then the bad guys are going to be the only ones with guns. So it's like I do understand that right wing that right wing argument, and we'll we'll get to that because we're going to go to Phil Labonte's comment here in a minute. But that is kind of where I I am conf- like I am confused. Is it, it are we not at a point where it's either all or nothing i know i how feel like look at it the, that's, i mean that's how I, I we're looking at it you. but that's not what people are asking for right that's how people look at but, it. but again but this is how the nra is looking at it and they have a point when they go look if you give the government an inch they're going to take a mile and that's what they will do let's let's go to okay. phil labonte's point like you're saying so we have uh randy bly's point which it seems intelligent it seems like the now situation that we're dealing with, which is, and I'm know, not going to say, I'm not going to see, I'm not going to say you're a stupid person. No, neither am I. If you, if you, if you, if you disagree with Randy Blythe, I'm not going to say that. All I'm saying, I'm just trying to play devil's advocate over. No, here. no, no. I know, but we have someone to do that. Okay. Thank you. Cause we're not involved. <laughs> this is Randy versus Phil in my mind. We're just going to comment on their okay. stories. Right. So Phil Abonte of all that remains also spoke out about gun control this week. Um, with the opposite opinion, you know, um, as you were saying, and he he does go through a lot of the rhetoric that we've heard many times from guys more on the right wing side, like you know, if you ban an AR-15, it won't stop people from going. You know, he brings up the Virginia Tech shooting where they didn't have an AR-15, or even farther back the Columbine shooting where obviously they use semi-automatic handguns, and obviously I, I don't think that should be obvious to anyone, but they didn't use an AR-15, and then he goes on saying, um, you know, pretty much. There's 350 million guns out there, okay? Um, If you were to stop right now and just take AR-15s out there, would that even solve the problem? The guns are already out there, right? Um, Which, like I said, both guys have good points on their version and the way they see things. That's that's the way I am. Um, You know, and how people talk about what you just said, look at the other countries without that, with buyback programs and all those things. Um, But for... The one thing that he did say that I thought was relevant is that the thing that drove him nuts about the Florida shooting is that everything failed. The FBI failed, and there was a police officer who was armed on campus. He wasn't there. Uh, the kid, he got his guns illegally. So everything went wrong in mm-hmm. this situation with our current laws for this tragedy to happen, which is a valid point. 
So no matter know. what, even if you did outlaw him, that well, kid was still going to get yeah. that in, in this situation. So, yeah. but from his perspective, what he's coming from is, is like you were saying with the NRA's reach for the government is that like you give them an inch, they'll take a mile. But that to me is a hypothetical scenario that can happen down the road. It's, it doesn't matter. This is the thing. People use the argument of like, well, if you take our guns away, the government, what are we going to stand up to the government with? I'm like, they have tanks and nukes and yeah. the CIA. What do you think? You're going to think Betty White with her, but you know what, with though? her pink camo AR-15 is going to protect your neighborhood? But at the same time, though, at the same time, would you rather go out, go down fighting? You know what I mean? It's like they don't... No, the fact, sign me up for my gray jumpsuit. That, that's what I mean by the hypothetical. Like... We're not talking about a war between Americas. We're not talking about a civil war over guns. We're talking about school shootings, right? Mass You're murder right. on schools. So that, You're right. that's what that's what gets. But what I'm trying. But what I'm trying yeah. to what I'm trying to say though is this is what happens when you think when you think with your with your heart when you don't you know when you're when you're very emotional when you're when you're thinking about things you don't plan for all these other things to go wrong. No. And I think and I think that's the one thing about the right-wing argument is they are seeing the possibilities of what could happen if this happens. And again, gives a shit sacrifice it for the lives of other people, man. But here's the thing. Some people think in chess moves, five pieces ahead. And some people think this is the next move. And that is the problem with the gun control argument on, on both sides is that you have two different ways of thinking completely, you know, and that's why they're not getting resolved. And that's where it always comes back. When I say, Hey, all or nothing, a lot of us would be like, take all the fucking guns. And yeah. then a lot of us would be like, hell no, that's our freedom. That's the Second Amendment. Obviously, I know it's the Second Amendment. The point is that the Second Amendment wasn't written with, you know, assault rifles. The Second Amendment also wasn't written with how many billions of people in the United exactly. States. You know, I mean, right. it's like how many billions of people in the United States, how many different fractions that we've been broken up into. I mean, it's like before, before it was like you had three people in the United States. You had the pro-Brits. You had you had the people that wanted to get away from that, and then you had the people in the middle going, "Whoever wins, I'm just going to go with that." And that's that's how it was that's how it was written when that happened. Now here in America, if we had oh my right. god, you have so many you have so many wars going on, not wars, but you have so many like f- fractions that hate each other, mm. and we all got to keep you know, and it's, it's totally yeah. But that's different the thing now. is the one thing that you should unify us is that children are dying. And no matter what we need to do, whatever it takes to ensure that that less and less children die unnecessarily. And this is true. And I, and I don't. But then, so then, so, but what happens? But why not? But again, here's the right wing argument, though. Why not arm the teachers? And it's like I understand what you're saying because they make twenty five thousand dollars a year. I know. We're not even giving them school supplies, and you want to give them a shotgun. I am not. I'm going. I'm just. No, I know you're playing devil's advocate. I'm picturing you with a much different body right now. Why would they get a shotgun? (laughs) Jocelyn, a shotgun? Well, because shotgun, <laughs> shotgun is uh, shotguns are honestly the best for for home protection. There, you you don't need to be accurate. They're yeah, but there's close kids in the room. Range. Yeah, there's kids <laughs> in the room. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you get to just like yeah. lose a buckshot. We, we want them to be. <laughs> Listen, accurate. I'm not saying I got a good plan. I'm just saying. Exactly. Uh, t- Miss Sharp took out the shooter, and she also <laughs> took away Timmy's ear <laughs> with one shot of. Buckshot. I think my point is that there's there's other things that we're not focusing on You're right totally now. Everyone's right. focusing on get you. my freedom, me, me, me. I'll give up a little fucking freedom well, that's, if it means that children well, can that's, live. Well, that's the one thing about America is it's all about us. It's all about us as the individual. It's, it's, it's my freedom. It's all about freedom. our experience. Yeah, exactly. It's yeah. very, we're, we're, we're a very selfish yeah. culture. But we're a very it, selfish culture. Keep in mind also when we talk, these three people in this room, we are not gun people. 
I grew up with guns. I have guns. Uh, no, no, I'm not saying we don't have guns. What I'm saying is like we're not gun. I actually people. have. Yeah, we're a, not gun nuts. Well, yeah. I have a guitar case full of guns. Do you really? And I go down to okay, Desperado. I, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just gonna shit. <laughs> <laughs> My wife got killed, so now I go down to Juarez once a year to take care of the bad guys. <laughs> so they call me L. But let me say this now: say that the that what you just presented happens, right? And teachers are armed. I don't like the idea, but they did something. Do you I see what I'm saying? It's at least an action. I'm with that, you on I that. I just want an action. This is the one thing. And that's yes. what a lot of this people is, want. Let them get mad, but let an action occur. This is the one thing that I see going wrong with teachers being armed, okay? When, you sh- when they, they've done simulations and stuff where people, you know, they have a gun and they get scared. Yep. And, uh, and guess what? They might be five feet away from the target, and they miss yeah. Dude, every I, time. Now, just imagine that the background is children. Or sure, I read something know? that some te- they they had a teacher who had a CCW. She shot herself. Yeah, she shot herself. That's I'm not person. saying it's a I mean, bad right, idea, but still, or I'm not saying it's a good idea. I think it's an awful idea. But the point is that hey, something's happening. Yeah, there, it's like it, there's there's some bad thing. Let's try to do something to protect our, our students. So those are the both viewpoints. You got Phil's side, um, which like I said, from his viewpoint and, and his upbringing and all that stuff makes total sense because he doesn't want the government to take his, his guns. I, I don't want to say that too often on my but show. But he's, also, he's right. also not being extremely he, reasonable. No, he's also not looking at what we're talking about. That's right. the thing. He's well, looking, he's at, stand, he's looking he's sta- at five he's standing steps his ground. Ahead. He's yeah. standing his ground. He's staying right where he's at. And, and you there's, got no, there's no budging that. Yeah, I know, but he's looking five steps ahead. I know. He's not looking at this child that's going to die tomorrow. You yeah. know? And then Randy is looking at that. And that's where we kind of look at it as a culture and then you have the third thing that happened whenever a mass shooting happens and you guys can try to explain this to me because i i am beyond disgusted when it comes to this stuff but uh six feet under chris barnes believes some of the florida shooting survivors are crisis actors so what he said is that uh it looks like he just responded in, in an instagram post but he's like fuck off sheep do yourself a favor do some research it's a setup if it wasn't they wouldn't have crisis actors you fucking moron Oh, and tin isn't used anymore. The proper term is aluminum hat, you fucking shill. Now, I know if he's joking, the timing would be horrible, you know? Well, he But is, this crisis acting... He did thing, front cannibal corpse. For only, <laughs> so, for only a little while. Let's... let's, let's, let's that's corpse grinders <laughs> land now, but what I'm saying... Uh, but, like, the crisis acting thing, right. that is a spinoff Ugh. from all this nonsense. Now, is there any justification do you guys feel for this to be okay no no and i'll tell you why and i mean first off i don't even have to tell you why uh everyone should know why but to me with these crisis actors thing it's it's like they want to be a part of a very select minority yeah you know and they, they there's nothing that makes them more happy than looking at someone and saying i told you so i told you so so again just like just like i the, saw something you didn't you were blind to something exactly. that i saw because i'm so superior yeah you know fuck you how dare you add an extra layer to grief to those parents life where you're like you know you, your child died but guess what they died because somebody wanted to make that happen so for, I, for an ugh. agenda for a government but that's what it is ugh. and that's all it is and it's like so you see this you see this constant double down and we have friends jocelyn that that believe this and every time and every time they post it on facebook and i'll throw a little blood in the water to see just to see how far they are and like one of them posted a picture of these so-called actors and you could tell that some of these faces were photoshopped in there 
You right. can tell. And, and also, all and white br- people look the same. They totally do. They totally like, do. Just generic across the board. You know what I'm talking about, Pete. Yes. Anyway, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> you're, you're, you're Jocelyn. Okay, I'm sorry. No, I know what you're talking about. But, like, like for example, when, when the shooting happened out here on October 1st, we had a guy attacking... A friend of ours, that we don't call him a friend anymore, obviously, but saying, oh, it's all made up, it's all No, fake. no, what happened was, is during the, during the Vegas during shooting. During the actual shooting. This guy used to live in Vegas. Yeah, and, and he's in California. He now. lives in California now, yeah. and he saw someone posting on Facebook going, have you seen my brother? I know he was down at the Route 66. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, this he piece of in. shit, this piece of shit comes in. He goes, "Ah, oh, he's an actor. You know, have fun. You know, like basically like just blatantly calling this what? woman an actor, right? Yeah. So Pete, me... And somebody else, like it was like a, a group text message asking him to stop. Asking him to stop. Well, Pete makes the mistake of including me into the text message. So then I immediately blast him. I mean, I am blasting him, telling him that like when I see him, I'm going to stomp him out. I mean, I'm so mad at this point because, you know, again, the, and that's is, what I think they want is to invoke that because, like, when we were saying, we're like, dude, you, the gunshots are happening as we speak. There, like the next morning in Vegas, when you drove past the strip, the bodies were still there yeah. in oh. the sunlight, guys. Yeah, like these are not actors. Yeah. yeah, like the cops couldn't move them. Like so, you couldn't avoid seeing laid out dead bodies. But that's what it and is. These dude. people it's, in 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 I don't want to say like a random place in cities away. It's just these it's, have this kind of nonsense, and like for Chris Barnes to do that as as a figure, because what it is, dude, is there's plenty of people out there that love to live in a world of fear, and when you have the media that controls everything, I mean, look, if the media wanted to, if the media wanted to, they could easily maybe take like a crisis actor or something like that, but my point is, is like, when, when it comes to the crisis actors, I'm like, do you really think they're going to use the same three people? Right. You fucking idiots. Right. You know what I mean? Like, seriously, you really think they're going to use the same three fucking people, you moron? And, and I'm not saying believe, don't believe crazy shit. Believe crazy shit. All, we all believe some crazy I'm sure, shit. Dude, but I'm keep sure. it to your fucking self. Yeah, don't my, spread it. This yeah. is my point. Just like that movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson. Remember? Jesus, nobody re- I remember That's a it, deep cut. That's a <laughs> no, deep cut. no, I'm just saying. But there was a part. But the thing is, though, is like the whole idea was yeah, this was guy. Right. That's what I'm saying. But the thing is, though, no, but the thing is, is he wrote like he wrote like 20, 25 different conspiracy theories and they were all crazier than the next. But one was right. So I'm sure I'm sure one of these conspiracy theories that have been floated around there, you know, and yeah. like like I'm just saying like the, you know, the, land. the moon landing was faked. You know, and I'm just saying things like that. I'm sure one of these things might be correct, but well, all, I'm of sure. them, all of them. Well, I'm sure crisis actors won't be. All yes. Right? So let's uh, agreed. Let's, let's move on from this deep conversation. And, and everybody, if you've ever seen uh, Julia Roberts' uh, wonderful movie Conspiracy Theory with Mel Gibson, <laughs> seriously, <laughs> if you want to get in a time machine and go watch that movie, it was a masterpiece. <laughs> Learn something, you fucking. It was a Richard Donner film. He did direct uh, Superman and uh, Lethal Weapon. So let's, Th- let's, Lethal Weapon. Let's go with the that. guy that gave us Lethal Weapon. You're going to shit on this guy's I will art. Not. I'm just saying that's that's not that's not the top nuts. So anyway, <laughs> before you're well, too old for this shit. I'm done. That, well, well done. Before I, we get to our interview with Brody, guys, like I said, uh, let me uh, do a quick read for you guys. This March, if you don't know already, Metal Blade Records will be releasing Twitching Tongues' fourth full length, gaining purpose through passionate hatred. 
Directly inspired by film scores, the record has a strong, epic feel, while also maintaining the same levels of hardness and aggression that have characterized their latter work. Catch them on tour right now with Hatebreed, The Acacia Strain, and Crowbar. And check dates and pre-order your copies now at MetalBlade.com slash TwitchingTongues. Again, MetalBlade.com slash TwitchingTongues. And with that, let's jump into another Metal Blade release that's coming out March 16th. Here's my talk with Brody from Rivers of Nile. Hey everybody, it's I, Petter, uh, Metal Sucks Podcast. Of course, on the phone, I got Brody Utley, guitar player from Rivers of Nile. Uh, we are here to talk about their third, their new record, Where Owls Know My Name, which is coming out March 16th on Metal Blade Records. Uh, Brody, so your first two records, man, they dealt with, I'm talking about the storyline behind them, the concept of the season's kind of changing. And uh, does the new one kind of follow thematically with this theme? Uh, yeah, um, so the first, uh, the first two, uh, our first record was a spring theme, uh, the second one was a summer theme, and then this one has a fall theme or concept to it. I, uh, I don't write any of the, the lyrics or come up with any of, like, the storyline stuff, I'm, I pretty much just do the music. Mm-hmm. Um, our, uh, bass player, Adam, he's the, the big concept guy but, but from what it's been explained to me uh this one follows that pattern of sticking with the seasonal uh theme on the previous two records it kind of just you know it's not like a hard you know concept like we're singing about like you know the color of the leaves or anything like that it's just kind of this like broad sort of lens that's put over the the whole spectrum of the record just to give this kind of like overall mood and sort of atmosphere to each record and when when i first heard the title now i'm a huge fan of, of twin peaks growing up so uh, oh yeah and you know what i'm talking about where there's that, yeah yeah there's that but, yeah we've had a lot of people ask us about that actually <laughs> <laughs> the owls are not what they seem brody right <laughs> so, uh, but yeah I, I was a big big uh me and uh bigs uh our bass player we were both like really into the new season thought it was super sick Oh man, it, it, I I think he uh, this is I got a rule about going overground when you're like uh, when you have something that's um, I guess stood the test of time if that makes sense like sequels to records even you know like when King Diamond's like let's do an Abigail two I'm always like wait a second you know um, yeah but um, and I, and I remember when Firewalk with Me came out on Twin Peaks I was like a lot of people did not take kindly to that that he kind of heard it and then when I heard he was going to do it again I was nervous but. I like most people. Am very happy with the with the end result. So, but that had no thought process on uh, on on anything like that. Because I mean, the season came out just last year, and then the, the record. I don't know when it was written, but I was like, hey, maybe there's a correlation. I mean, there's. I asked Adam the same thing when he brought the name up to me. Um, mm-hmm. This he actually came up with the name for the record before we even wrote any of the material. I guess he's just got these like album names, just like kind of hiding in his brain like ready to jump out when the time comes but when he first brought it up to me um i asked the same question like oh is that like twin peaks thing and he said he said no it's basically just uh it's basically just a metaphor for you know uh, a place of isolation and contemplativeness and uh you know just like self-reflection basically like going to a place where only the owls would know your name you know away from everything where you can kind of just be you know by yourself within yourself and kind of just reflect on all things in a kind of solitary place i guess no i like that dude but it's it's crazy how like uh like twin peaks is a cult thing it's not really it's it's much more popular i think now through time um yeah it's funny how the 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 cult like 
when it comes to art, it, it, it just it manifests itself to the same audience in the same genre. Because like an owl concept shouldn't make everybody jump right away and think of Twin Peaks, <laughs> but for some reason, yeah. it does. No, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. No. Exactly. Like I, we as soon as like we released the first single last week, and I think I got you know maybe four or five messages in the first couple of days from people just asking like, Hey, is this, is this record about, you know, Twin Peaks? <laughs> and, and, uh, it's, yeah, it's not, but I definitely, I definitely understand why people wonder that. Cause I've actually wondered the same thing myself. <laughs> now, if it was called where evil Dale knows my name, I think that that'd be more obvious, but yeah, we're just giving the owls. Yeah. Credit. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Or like where, where the log lady lives or something. I exactly. don't know, but yeah. rest in peace, by the way, she, I guess she passed recently, uh, well within the last year or so. so. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, there was, I mean, that it does suck. It was kind of, well, while watching that program, I know Miguel Ferrar, that was the last thing he did. And, and it was just kind of like you saw characters that I knew past in real life. And it was like, it was, it was a good finish to their careers. You know what I'm saying? Like to give them that kind of like, uh, to have a posthumous moment, as they say, is it's really, it's really, uh, it's underrated because, you know, they'll never know it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think yeah, it's and, special. Uh, and who, who was the, the actor who played the, uh, he was in Firewalk with me as well. And, um, he he died too. The guy that that uh, saw mm. he saw the kid get that he saw the kid get hit by that guy. Jack that was, Nance. Yes. Eraser. Yeah, yeah. He 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 died too. He did. Yeah. Uh, he's 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 David Lynch's boy from Eraserhead. Yeah, and he he put him in everything yeah. from doing on, and yeah, he passed away as well. And uh, yeah, dude. Uh, it's it that's that's the one great thing about art. And I do want to p- talk about art with you because I I love that so many younger metal bands. Um, are adding depth and intelligence and there is uh, the art metal genre is really it's really strong now for me when i through going through the scene i felt between the barrier to me kind of led the change in the years to to the to presenting metal to the masses in a different way but then guys like you i feel fallujah after the burial the atlas moth there's so many bands now that are bringing a seriousness and, and an artistic kind of viewpoint to the genre um that we aren't stereotyped as you know yeah, no, for sure. I mean, um, I don't really know. I mean, I hate I hate to say that it has it has anything to do with like I know the word millennials is like a terrible, awful word, um, but like you know, I think on on like on Wikipedia, like I think they define millennials as like anyone born after 1980, which like I think is probably a little ridiculous. But you know, I mean, there is no lying or, or there's no like hiding the fact that like this day and age people have more options and more freedoms and more just amazing opportunities than any other generation because of like the current state of technology you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and but you know so thinking about it that way you know people should be like real happy about everything but you know like you see these studies that come out every year and more and more times you're just seeing the number of people that are like depressed like the, the the nationwide depression rate you know and like anxiety and like all this stuff it's like it's just going through the roof you know all while like we have all this amazing stuff you know available to us right at our fingertips so i think that like the fact that like technology i think in some respects is like made so many people miserable i think it's also forcing people you know to maybe think outside of the box you know as far as as far as like um you know, art or music or, you know, film or whatever goes, because like, I feel like so much about the like instant gratification 
uh, aspect of like technology nowadays has like made a lot of people just kind of go on autopilot and just stop really thinking about, you know, you know, the world really. And they're just like miserable, you know, but I think some, you know, a lot of people kind of resist that and end up, you know, maybe going into new territories with art that haven't been expressed before or like deeper subjects that haven't been talked about, like particularly in like heavy music. Yeah, dude, you did, but you nailed it. And, and that's, I always, I live by that concept of if you're not there, you don't know. Cause on paper, the information age is a magical place. It's almost like a dreamland from me growing up. Like, wait, I can get everything I want at the click of a button, but yet yeah. I don't have to work for it. Therefore now I don't take it seriously because it's too easy. And, and like, you don't think that until you're there, you know, like if this is presented to me, you know, in a total recall movie, I'm like, I want that TV, you know, like, but yeah. when you're there and you're like, everything's easy and we don't have to work for anything and people don't value it, not monetarily. And, uh, they don't give it the time that it needs to like nourish it. It, it gets depressing because of the amount of work that so many people put into it, which actually leads into my next question, which is, I mean, the concept of art is ever changing in information age. It's, it's, uh, it's very different, you know? Um, but yeah. what, what do you consider, uh, and most people that I consider artists now, they're like, no, I'm a craftsman. You know, I just, I'm a, I'm a great at my craft, but what do you consider the difference at being an artist and someone who's just great at their craft? Hmm. That's a tough question. I mean, I guess to, to me at least, like when I, when I experience something that like, I think, uh, you know, like, like that's art, like that's not just like, a film that's not just a record like that's that's like high art to me like whenever i when i think of something like that it has to be something that connects on like different levels like it has like when i'm talking about like music for example it has to have that like the physical impact like you know like if i'm listening to like a like a like a heavy band or whatever like it has to have that like that physical impact of like wow this is like you know really like heavy or really fast or like really original like feeling physically like it's got that impact but then it also has to have that like psychological and emotional connection um as well like i mean i could listen to like a thousand bands you know and they're all going to be heavy as fuck you know and like but they won't necessarily connect on like an emotional level or like I don't, I hate using the word spiritual because that can be taken so many different ways, but on a spiritual level as well, um, you know, like I feel like you got to have like an original, you know, an artist has to have like an original enough product, whether it's music or art, you know, that people can look at that and go like, oh, hey, that's something that hasn't been done for. And then there also has to be a message behind it that is specific enough you know it, it, it it's specific enough that it can be attached to an artist's name um but it has to be a general or relatable enough um message um or meaning that everyone that the masses can connect to it so in short i guess you have to have in order to you know be considered an like artist or in order for something to be considered art to me it's got to like connect on like several different levels like three different levels really i guess like a physical kind of like interest level and then um an emotional level where like i feel like i can relate to the art you know whether it's film or music through 
an experience that I've had or, you know, something that I can relate to. And then, you know, probably, I don't know, like, uh, I'm, I'm not a spiritual person, but, you know, I'm sure that, you know, some people do have spiritual experiences when they see movies or listen to records. I mean, like, I guess, you know, the first time I heard Dark Side of the Moon, for example, when I was a kid, like, I, I guess that's the closest thing to a, a spiritual experience that I could possibly have had at that point, you know, um, and that record has for, you know, all the things that I, I just talked about. I mean, it has, you know, the cool art, the, the like physical appearance and, and like the list, the original sound, then it has the message that's like super relatable, you know, like hanging on in quiet desperation is the English way. Like, I mean, like how much more relatable can you get through a message like that? And then, you know, it's also got the like, I don't know, I guess like the spiritual connection just because of like what that record is. I might be getting too far into the weeds here with this. No, I like but... this. I like this because I, 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 I like exactly what you're saying because to me with the spir- spiritual, I know it's a frowned upon word these days, but it's the best way to describe what you're saying because I think a record or a movie or something that like you is considered art to me is that they've found something honest and yeah. real and a craftsman puts together something you see what I'm saying? That yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. Like, um, I, and, I don't and know. Like, art, our art cannot be put together. It has to be. It's coming from me and only me. And this is honest and real. And it, whoever relates to it, either they're going to see it that way, or you know, where where I feel like, yeah, no, I like what you're saying. With with this, and it sucks because the word spiritual is is it's tied into religion so much. It always will yeah. be. It's it's just people think that's the first thought they go. Just like. We're talking about owls and Twin Peaks. I can't explain why, but for some reason, that's where we go, right? So when you go to spiritual, people are like, all right, there's this being above us, and then it, it makes you think of a certain way. But for me, like, like if, a, if a church makes someone completely like frozen in all the moments that you were saying, I've had those moments at concerts with amps, you know? <laughs> like, Oh, yeah. And no, that, for sure. And like, that's like my I, spiritual experience, right? Yeah, no, yeah. I, def- I mean, I definitely have. Like, I mean, I'm... I'm a big, I'm like a big, uh, a big post-rock fan. And mm. like just recently I saw the band, uh, this will destroy you. Um, they're like one of my favorite bands of all time. And like, that was like, I don't know, like just seeing, seeing them like play, you know, like that, like same thing. It was like, I guess borderlines, like a spiritual experience. Like I, it was like hard to almost not to like cry. It was like, I don't know why I felt that way, but I, I did, you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, I agree with you with the, you know, someone who's just assembling something or putting something together versus, you know, a true artist, you know, like, I think a good example would be like, how many fast, how many like Fast and Furious movies have they made, you know, mm-hmm. versus like, say, when a movie comes out, like, uh, like Interstellar or something that has like true, like, like original concepts and like stuff that like really like applies to like, you know, like just universal concepts that like everyone can relate to, you know, what, you know, in that movie being love and, you know, um, just like doing something completely original and different, but making it totally familiar and relatable to people. And that's, and your example is great. Cause to, that's where I think that like it really separates somebody like Christopher Nolan somehow, uh, can yeah. can do a Batman movie and make it art, you know? Like, um, yeah. he can he can like guys like you know. There's certain filmmakers that can pull that off, where it's like, all right, well, this is gonna appear to the masses, but his take on it is honest. It's truth. 
we relate to the characters. We don't look at the plot holes. You know, it's 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 a it's a it's a very unique way of telling a story. Yeah. And um, but yeah, I completely agree with that. When you brought up Interstellar, now, not to well, yeah, we can stay on movies for a second. Did you have a chance to see uh, Mother by Darren Aronofsky? Yeah, I did, and I loved it. I and too, I know man. a lot of people. I, I know a lot of people hated it. <laughs> But that's 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 the prime example of of the information age and the society that we're kind of in is that like to hate that movie means for some reason you didn't allow yourself. I don't want to say I don't want to say that exactly, but I guess you didn't allow yourself to experience a film the way that you're supposed to, because you, yeah. any way you walk away from like when I watched it, I, I was like, OK, any way you walk away from it, you may not like it. You may have issues with it, but to have like a hate for this thing, which people really did was because yeah. you shut off somehow and like, hey, I'm not used to what they're doing here. I'm walking away, you know? And, yeah. And that is, that is where, uh, and, and when you're talking about depression and stuff like that, I think the fact that a lot of people cannot connect and, they, and they, they feel the hate and it's so easy to pick a fight with people, you know, via mm-hmm. so many ways where, you know, picking a fight face-to-face, let's, let's be honest, nobody wants to do that. It's uncomfortable. It's weird. It stays with you for 48 hours. Like it doesn't shake off. Right. <laughs> but, no, no, exactly. Like, I mean, this, it's just the sign of the times, man. Like, I mean, I, I mean, for example, I mean, I can say for myself, like, you know, I'll, I'll be, you know, messaging my friends or whatever, or texting a friend and like, they won't get back to me or whatever. And like, I'll be like real mad about it, you mm-hmm. know, but then I'll, but then I'll see them in person and I'll be like, Oh wait, like they're like, a real person they're not just like this like message on my screen like why would i how could i be mad about that like you know and then it's like i never like say all the nasty things that i'm thinking like you know because i'm like angry that they didn't answer my text message right away or whatever it's like and that's that's like you know that's experienced on a much wider and much more horrible scale you know in the world with like social media and stuff people are like going out and killing people because of shit that happens online. You know what I mean? It's like, it's crazy. We have all the opportunity in the world and all this amazing, amazing, amazing stuff that just it becomes available every day. And people are just so miserable, more miserable than they've ever been in history. It's ridiculous. It is. And like, like we said before, man, you don't know until you're there. Because I'm the same way. Everybody feels the same way about the text messaging. And it's like yeah. in actuality. That is the most meaningless form of communication you possibly can. A handwritten letter has more weight than a text message, yet that's the easiest form. Therefore, we expect it you know, as fast as possible, yep. but it gets to us. Emails and text messages. And it's like I, I communicate like I'm so bad at communicating both those things. I either overwrite or underwrite. It's either like my answer is like, yes, one word, and people are like, all right, are you mad at me? Or it's like, yeah, you know, or it's like, yes, da, 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 let me tell you the story. And it's like, all right, dude, that's too much. Like, so yeah, I'm the same. I'm the same way. I'm either like a, I'm like an all or all or nothing kind of guy when it comes to texting. I'll either send you like a, uh, you know, a Bible or, or a yes or a no. Like exactly. It's one or the other. And I'm the same way with email communications. Like I'm like, I sent an email out. I'm like, I probably should have just said two sentences, but I added all this nonsense. And now, yeah. And then I'll delete a bunch of stuff and I'll forget important information. And then it's like, I'll get a question back. Like now, I look like a liar. Yeah, no, I'm the same way. I and wish like, I could you know, call everyone, dude. I just want to call everyone. You know, like well, I, yeah, yeah, but you can't. And, yeah, no, I know, and that's the thing. And like so many people nowadays, like don't want to talk on the phone. And like I, I, you, you know, like I'm, 
I would much rather pick up the phone and just talk to someone, you know, like, I mean, sometimes it's a blessing. Like if, for example, if, you know, if someone like, you know, a little annoying or, or, you know, someone you don't want to have your phone number, you know, if they're like, you know, trying to call you, you can just pull the old, oh yeah, I'm not a phone person card on them. But like, I mean, so it's nice in that respect, you know, but like generally it's, it's pretty ridiculous. Like how many people don't even want to talk on the phone anymore? It's just all text. Cause like, I feel like I can get so much more, you know, I can get so much more out and just like make my points so much better and just like talking to a person. And and then that, you know, it just feels way more real that way. Like, like I said, I'll get all mad about like a, a text message or like not responding to a text message. I'll be like, Oh man, I bet they're, but they're just like holding out on me on purpose and all this stuff. And then I see them and it's like, I don't even think about it when I see them. Cause it's like, Oh, this is a real person. You know, like they, why, why, why am I mad about this? You know, it's dumb. We're all like that. I think, I think that's just how people are is like, you look at something, you're like, I'm being ignored. I'm being ignored. I need an answer. But I've resolved arguments that have lasted for three hours in text messaging in two minutes on a phone call. And I, it's like, that's what I learned every time I'm like, Hey, Hey, what's going on here? Okay. Yeah. And then you look no, at the exactly. bubbles and you're like, look at the venom in the bubbles back and forth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look at this. Yeah, no, it's, I know exactly what you mean. Like, cause you're um, sending it to nothing and no one. It's like, you're talking to yourself in your mind and then the reaction and dude, I, I we all get that way. I'm, I'm not above this line by any means, you know? Um, but it's just, yeah, it's funny. Like communicating. That's another thing that I, I think goes back to what you're saying is like, all these instant gratification and things that are making people depressed and, and they're putting all this weight into, we're doing it. It's our, it's technology is our new religion. You know, our God is a computer, but we don't want to say that cause it's, we're not religious, you know, it's, it's a weird thing, but it's still manipulating us, you know? Oh yeah, for, for sure. I absolutely agree. And we can't escape it. And like, I, I'm sure like in 1800s, we couldn't escape being religious. You know, it's like, it's like, it's that feeling of like an overwhelming group um, suffocating you and you having to follow their rules, but then yep. it's making you a worse person. And that's what makes us depressed. <laughs> so, yeah. But no, it's, yeah. it's totally, totally true, man. So, um, it's just one of those things where it's like, I, I always go back to them. It sounds like the greatest thing in the world that I can have an eye, a, a phone in my hand with, with three, 30,000 songs on it and everything I want. And it's like, Oh yeah. yeah. Now I, don't, I forgot the experience of putting in the record and looking at the lyrics, you know? Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. Yeah. You no, know, I, I totally agree, and that's why I think it's so cool that I think it's cool that vinyl has come is coming back because you know, and that people want it to come mm-hmm. back because it's like people are missing that kind of tactile, tactile, you know, putting a record on and blowing on the disc and and placing the needle down and opening the gatefold and reading the lyrics and reading the you know the thank yous from the band members. Like I think in a certain way, like people are starved for that kind of like hands-on sort of thing because everything is so instant and just like cold and digital nowadays, you know? Perfectly. I mean, yeah, cold and digital is perfect, man. You, you said that could be with anything. Like when you had a hardback book and you're like, when you went to the library and you borrowed a book from the library and you're like at a, with this plastic cover and all these stamps in it, you're just, there's some connection there that you were there with other people, you know, where on a digital yeah. scale, there is just a it's an emptiness but no no yeah i i agree like there's there's a there's an episode of seinfeld where i i don't know whether whether it's uh whether it's uh jerry jerry says it or uh or george says it but one of them is like what's the you know what's the deal with books like you just you just have them 
and you don't you don't you don't get rid of them. You just have them. You know, even if you're not like even if you read them already, or even if you're not planning on reading them, you know, you just you just keep them. You know, you move houses and you like bring the books with you. But it's like why? And it's I think you know, especially nowadays, it it's like obvious because it's like you know people they especially now they want that that physical thing. You know, even if they're even if they're not reading the book, it's like more cozy and real to have something in their hand than you know pull up iBooks and like flip through a you know a digital a digital book I don't know everything I look at like you said book wise because I, I do keep all my stuff all my CDs yeah. all my vinyls everything I look at though I can look at that book and I can remember where I was when I read it I can be like I read that book in Hawaii I read that oh book no and it's like with, exactly. the, with the digital copy I, I know I, I all this information entered my mind but I don't remember where you know like it yeah. that's like you said all that what art and what, what books and what, whatever we put into our mind, we have memories attached to those things when they're physical items. And when they're not, it's not the same. I can't, yeah. you know, I can't tell you when I, if I bought a, a record on iTunes, for example, you know, when I listen to it or why or, or you know, it's not there. But I can tell you when I put that needle on the vinyl and I yeah. did the dishes, you know. No, that's the thing that like, that's the thing that like, doesn't make sense to me nowadays i mean i understand that like printing printing vinyl is not a cheap thing um you know especially for bands that don't have like label support um but like i really i don't understand why more bands aren't doing physical mediums for their music especially vinyl because like giving your listeners that like physical experience of like holding your your music in their hands and putting the music on and putting the needle down or or, you know i think it's different with vinyl than it is with cds but like that you know the process of like giving your listeners like that physical opportunity to like interact with your music it just like gives bands like more like a fan base that's like more dedicated and more loyal and follows what the bands are doing because they have they have that you know, experience of buying that record and putting it on physically, like permanently ingrained in their memory. And that's going to stick with them forever versus just like, you know, downloading a Bandcamp link or, or downloading it on iTunes. Not that, you know, you can't have great experiences with that too, but like, I don't know. I mean, I could tell you, I could tell you like the first 10 CDs that I got when I was like seven years old, you know, like, I mean, I remember that, you know, they weren't necessarily good CDs, but I remember that because like I had them, they were in my hand, I physically put them on, you know, I, I think that that gives, you know, that physical experience gives, you know, listeners of a band like a really personal, you know, a personal attachment to a band, you know, so I don't know, I think more bands should print physical, print physical music, man. And that's for me, I'll be honest, like all my friends that, that deal with depression, that, that are really unhappy and, and all these things. And then they'll ask me like, what makes you happy? And I'll tell them like, oh, this, like getting a record, you know, going to the store and picking it up and doing it. And they have, they're like, no, why would I do that when I can just do that? And I'm like, you do that. So you feel something other than what's in your head or what you see on the media throwing. I go, you do that to, to create a world with. A, a band or a movie or anything, you know, and, and that is where, where you, like I said, back to the conversation, I think that the fact that we're doing everything and it's all just background music instead of something we're connecting with, that's going to lead people to, to be depressed and stuff. And I'll tell you right now, man, I got a, I got a kid. He's two years old. His name is yes. Briscoe County. He's the greatest kid in the world. He, he's awesome. <laughs> and, uh, awesome. and so I'm making a room in my house for the County dude. And I got the shelves 
just like an like an old record store. And I got all the VHS, the DVDs on the wall, like a blockbuster. And in the center rack, I have all the CDs and vinyls and everything that I own. Yeah. And I have an, 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 a lot of stuff. So, And I'm like, I'm not doing this way. Because when he is 14 or 15 years old, and if there isn't a record store, because I'm in Las Vegas, we have only we have one, really. There's two locations, but we have one record store left. And in all of Las Vegas, five million people live here, you know? Damn. Um and um, I, I, he's going to have that. And I'm going to be like, go in there, find something. And I, I just want him to have that experience. Do you know what I'm saying? And, yeah. And, no. And I have absolutely. to create that for him because I feel he will be happy when he can sit there in a room and listen to things and experience all that. You know, where if it's just like, here's an iPad and watch your band on YouTube and all, all the stuff that is more popular, I, I just feel like he will feel more empty and cold in his life like you were saying it's a choice yeah. that we make it's it's, yeah. it's it's all a choice man and i know we kind of went off on a tangent but this is a good conversation <laughs> so, yeah 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 definitely yeah i'm all about it so let's go back to the record my man uh right. where owls know my name it's coming out march 16th it's a follow-up to monarchy which was just a phenomenal record and, and on a lot of people's lists three years ago man but the first single you guys did release the silent life if people haven't heard this yet Go to metalsucks.net. Go to any of the, the major, major metal uh, news sites and, and find this. But uh, fantastic song. Now, you guys do have a saxophone solo in it, and that changed. Yeah. That's something new. But at what point in the process of the songwriting did you guys decide to, to add that in there? Honestly, it was, uh, you know, I had written that. That was one of the first songs that I wrote for the record. And I just more or less had this big open section because. Um, Right before, or right after that saxophone solo, um, there's a guitar solo, and originally I was just gonna like have this big open section, you know, and then and the, or double the guitar solo length. But um, I had recently recorded a band. Um, I do recording sometimes for bands in my area, and uh, the guitar player from one of the bands that I recorded, he was going to college uh, to be a sax major uh, in performance. Um, and he, you know, and I talked and we're like, oh, yeah, you should play some saxophone on the new Rivers of Nile record. And we were kind of joking. And then uh, when I wrote this part, I was like, huh, I was like, I could kind of hear a saxophone or something over that. Like maybe he could come over and try something out. He, he lives pretty close to me. So he came over to my place and I just basically recorded him, you know, doing a couple of takes of some solos, some some uh, sax solos and he, uh, you know, I sent it to the other guys in the band, not knowing what they would think, and everybody loved it. So it was kind of just like chance, really. I was just like, huh, I wonder what that would sound like. And I just happened to know a guy that was really good at playing sax, and he came to my place and just laid it down, and it stuck. And it's, uh, I don't know, I think it's a pretty cool, it's a pretty cool new element uh, on the record for sure. Oh yeah, the song is fantastic. I, I, I agree with you completely. That element, it just, it's. Um it adds, you know, and, and it also for me, like, I, I mean, I read the story before I heard the song, so I knew it was coming. Yeah. But like, if you don't know it's coming and you're listening to the record and it just catches yeah. you a different, it, it, you know, it works on so many levels, man. And, uh, when you guys perform live though, I'm assuming that this track lead single, you guys will be performing it. Would you guys, you wouldn't have a sex player with you live, right? No. Uh, well we have, uh, I mean, I'd like to, I mean, unfortunately we're not a big enough band at this point that we can afford to bring extra people out on the road and like Understood. the space confinements of our little tiny van. But, um, I think a couple, we have a, sh a tour coming up with, uh, dying fetus mm -hmm. and thy artist murder in, uh, March and April. And I think actually, um, I think Zach who played 
the saxophone on the record. I think he's actually going to come out to the New Jersey show and play um, the sax live with us at that show. But at the other shows, we'll probably um, just have the, have a backing track playing for his sax parts just so that it doesn't sound totally empty. And I think that's a great option that people have these days. Yeah. I remember when bands back in the day, they had cool elements like that. But when you saw them live, they just took them out. You know, so and I was like, yeah, and, and you miss them. You're like, oh, it's the layers are wrong. Something's off there, you know. Yeah, but, uh, right. it's it's definitely a cool thing. It's uh, it's something that some man. I mean, we we pretty much only went only do that when we have to with like parts that like where there's like you know five guitar tracks going at once on the record, and it would just be literally impossible for us to play it live. You know, um, like three atmospheric guitars and a clean guitar, and you know, like when it's impossible for us to like you know, we don't have enough band members to actually play this stuff. Like we will have like, you know, the atmospheric stuff like backtracked, um, just to like give it that, like, you know, sound of the record. But like, you know, a lot of bands, uh, I won't say any names, but a lot of bands have gotten carried away with that whole thing. And, you know, they're actually like, you know, they're backtracking rhythm guitars and, and bass and like everything. And they're pretty much just miming on stage. So, I mean, it's like a good, it's a blessing and a curse, I guess. Some bands get too carried away with it, but, uh, you know, when you need it and, and you can do that, it's definitely a, a useful thing. And I've seen bands that, that do that and it's just less passion and less power from them yeah, personally because it's, it's, they're not doing the work. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's lame. I mean, I won't even like sugarcoat it. I think it's stupid. Mm. We've played with bands that do that. And like, I understand, you know, you know, backtracking like, you know, stuff that's like, like, if you physically don't have enough members in your band to play the stuff, um, you know, I can get that. But like, if you're, you know, if you've got rhythm guitar tracks, playing through the PA system and you're just like miming or playing like at 10% volume, you know, just to make it look real i I think that's that's stupid and it's insulting i don't know i agree dude i agree i agree man i totally (laughs) do but like i said it shows man it shows in their live performance because i i would imagine i've never been on a tour man i would imagine the best part is obviously when you guys get that time on stage and to if you're in a band and in any way you want to make that less special for that moment of connection whether it's 30 minutes or an hour and a half or whatever um, yeah. then you're probably not going to last. <laughs> like that's, that's me. But again, I, I don't know. I no, exactly. The hard work I, I, and that, that connection is it's, it's priceless, man. And you shouldn't mess with that format. Yeah, yeah I, I definitely agree. And, uh, like you just mentioned, dude, you guys are starting a tour. It was March 15th, uh, with, uh, dying fetus, thy art is murder, uh, enterprise earth and sanction, I believe. Now, how much, uh, new material are you going to present? Like it, the, the, the tour starts, if I'm not mistaken, three fifteen. Albums dropping Friday three sixteen, so it's going to be right at the perfect time frame. Are you guys going to play a lot of those tracks on the on the this following tour? We're probably going to end up doing like because I think our set length on that tour is, is twenty five minutes, uh, which means that we probably get about five songs. Um, so we'll pro- we'll probably end up doing two new ones, and then like probably two from Monarchy, and then maybe one from the first record. I would love to play all new songs, uh, but we uh, we've actually kind of experimented with that over the last two record cycles. And like on the last record cycle, we kind of came out guns blazing on our first tour and like played like four new songs. And like even though they, the songs had been out for a couple of weeks, people seemed kind of confused because they didn't really not everyone knew the songs yet. So um, I think we're going to try to do like two new ones on this tour just to 
kind of slowly introduce uh, the material and keep you know keep the old stuff keep the uh, the fans of the old stuff happy as well. Yeah, and this is your third record, so as time goes by, this is going to be like a bigger problem for sure. Because <laughs> like by record, yeah. eight, you're going to be like, man, I got a hundred songs. I, I got a yeah. Like uh, like for example, like Headliners, Dying Fetus. I don't know how much time I'm assuming they'll get an hour. Um, but yeah, yeah. With their catalog, you're like, I just want to hear things off of Wrong One to Fuck With right now because you know, yeah. uh, that's the record I'm into. But I know yep. that there's fans out there that are like, what are you guys doing? I know it. You know, so can't yeah, be- they just want to hear the first record. There's always going to be, I mean, there's always going to be those guys. I mean, we have people that come up to us at our shows and they're like, you get, you guys didn't play anything from your 2009 EP. What the fuck? And it's like, dude, are you serious? You know? <laughs> yeah. And, and it, dude, if you're a band and that's your, that's your, uh, that's the best album you put out was like the, before you, you know, got to record three, it's like, that's, that's also not like, to me, that's an insult. Be like, really? Like, you know, yeah. like, we're better yeah. now, dude. We've been doing this for years. Like, like, come on, you know? Yeah. I you can't it. convince it. You yeah. can't convince everybody, though, man. You just got to let some people go. I mean, 100%. people people like what they like, and you just got to accept that sometimes, for sure. Completely, man. Is that uh, you guys did a few headlining shows on Monarchy. Not 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 much, though, right? You only did about, yeah. like, was it 14 dates or something like that? Yeah, I think it was like, we did like two weeks or something like that. And now the third record's coming out. Um, you guys can, you know, like, more material. We're always in our mind. We're like, all right, the headlining set's going to be easier to do. Um but um, what do you need in this album cycle and for this album to do for you guys to, I guess, justify more headlining tours? Well, I mean, I guess, I mean, I guess, like, the first thing is that, like, first week sales play a big role in that kind of thing. Um, you know, like, I hate to say it, but, like, the amount of records that a band sells first week is still like the most important thing to like what they're going to be doing during their, that following record cycle. Um, so I mean like doing, doing well, you know, first week, um, would definitely be important and a contributing factor into having us do like more headlining stuff. I don't know really. I mean with the headlining stuff, it's really, it's just the demand for it, I guess. Like if we're playing, if we're playing, you know, support dates and like we notice that we have like sizable, you know, crowds every night or like if there's walkouts after our set that are like substantial, I mean, you know, meaning people don't want to see the band that played after us. I mean, that's usually a pretty telltale sign that maybe you should be doing some some headlining dates um, through those cities. But I mean, it's really it's really just a, a feeling thing, I guess, like. I definitely wouldn't want to do a headlining tour early on in an album cycle um, just because, you know, y- you want to let each record grow as much as it can before you take the material out and, like, present it as, like, a headlining set. Or at least for a band that's, like, on our level, you know. Like, for a band like Black Dahlia Murder or Between the Barrier to Me, I mean, they can come out of the gate headlining, obviously, because they have that huge legacy behind them. But, you know, for a band our size, you know, I would say that, um, waiting until a little later in the album cycle to do a headliner would definitely probably benefit us just because, you know, you want people to have as much time as they can with the material so that when you finally do announce like, Hey, we're going to be playing an hour and 15 minutes set, you know, we're going to play the whole new record straight through, you know, you're going to have a better chance of having people come out because they've had more time to get familiar with the material. 
Yeah, dude, 100%, man. Yeah, it, it takes time. Like you said, everything takes cut. Instant gratification, tr- it tricks us, man. Like I, like when you guys came out here with Dark Star, that was the last time, um, I believe I saw you out here in Vegas. Uh, oh, outside? Yeah, Beauty Bar, outside. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. was... That was an interesting. That was an interesting show for sure. Yeah. So and then, but like we were mentioning, I've only seen I've seen Darkest Hour probably know, fifteen times. But that was yeah. like one of the two times I saw him do a headlining set, and I saw him recently again. They came back out with Warbringer, so I saw him do two headlining sets this year, and I think yeah. maybe one more. Like it, it takes time, man. They've been at it for twenty. Uh, 20 years already um yeah so, so you're right man it takes time but like every now and then i get to catch like bands early on in that headlining time you see how many fans like you said you're like no these people are here for us you know and everybody out there if you haven't been listening those first week sales matter the physical copies matter they're gonna make you happier i promise i i said it i mean it you know so make sure you guys do get out there pre-order uh the new rivers and now record where owls know my name Go to metalblade.com slash Rivers of Nile. Check out what they got going on there, man. But uh, Brody, I got to tell you, it's a fantastic talk, man. I'm super excited about the record. You guys aren't coming through Vegas on the Dying Fetus Tour, um, but I know you guys are a nonstop touring machine, so I'll definitely see you guys out here. Yeah, man, we'll definitely be out there, and uh, thanks for having me on. It was it was a uh, good, good talk for sure. Excellent, brother. All right, man, I'll talk to you soon.
the Metal Sucks Podcast. If it's punk, metal, or rock, Rockabilia is your one-stop shop for all band merch. They have over 500,000 items to choose from. Hard to find stuff that you can't get anywhere else with the largest selection of music merchandise available in the world. Doesn't matter if it's hats, shirts, autograph items, patches for your battle vest, Rockabilia will have you covered. And everything is officially licensed. Don't fall for the Chinese counterfeit band merch on Amazon or the targeted Facebook post promoting a bootleg product. If you support Rockabilia, you're supporting the 
the artist. Been around since 1987 with 30 years of giving you the best memorabilia. And for special discounts, use the promo code PCJabberJaw. So for your punk, metal, and rock memorabilia, there's only one place to go, www.rockabilia.com. All right, guys, and we are back. Uh, first song you heard is off the new record, uh, Where Owls Know My Name by Rivers of Nile. Uh, that track is called A Home. Second song we played, guys, that is from the EP uh, by Zayo. Uh, it's called uh, Pyric Victory. It's out now. It's It's been out since uh, uh, late 2017. It's just a fantastic EP. Zayo is a band that I cannot stop listening to and I love to promote. Uh, that track is called The, the Host Has Bared Its Teeth. And uh, one last thing, guys, before we sign off. Uh, recently... Um, the forefathers of this show, Chuck and Godless, they did their last episode of the Metal Podcast just this last weekend uh, or a week ago. And um, we just wanted to give them a shout out and give them a, a huge thank you for the groundwork they did on this show, the Metal Sucks Podcast. They did 173 episodes. Um, fantastic stuff. And for me, I listened to those guys for four years straight on on the Metal Sucks Podcast, on the Metal Podcast. Uh, they were... Like you said, every every week I learned their personalities. Every week uh, I laughed. Uh, you know, Godless pissed me off on occasion. Chuck made me uh, giggle. They did great interviews. But what they did for the metal interviewer is they 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 really changed the game. They taught a lot of us what what we had to do, and they raised the bar. And I just want to thank those guys um, for everything they've done all the way through. Um, and definitely, we'll never let what they put in on this show go away. So Chuck and Godless from me. Brandon and Jocelyn, thank you guys so much. Whatever future endeavors you guys have, you have uh, you have great ones. And uh, again, you guys, anything? Thanks, guys. Thank yes. you. All right, so we'll see you guys here on the Metal Sucks podcast next week, and we won't talk guns or rape. Hopefully, mm, that's, I'll think about it. That's not, <laughs> it's not a promise. That's not a promise. It's not a promise. All right, guys. Next week, see you. The Metal Sucks podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.